Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't you say tires? Vive Clucot. It's the same thing. Just say tires. Uh, Where do we pick up from? Hi, Uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center and the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. says that luke anderson <laughs> he's out here though he is out will darkens here with you and mr marcus greaves yes sir he's in the studio to co-host with me this morning it's an all beaver edition this, this you know i would have to say i kind of like me and you on the show rather than and i told dirt the same thing yeah like it was Greaves and Greaves and Dirt, Dirt yep. and Greaves. Now it's Sinner in the Greaves. Sinner in the Greaves. Or the Saint in the Greaves. You choose, man. Well, that's fine with me because I've been trying to get Luke out of here for like two years. And right. if I have to hear one more story about Vegas, I'll claw my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, I actually, everyone thinks he's gone like on vacation, but he actually got fired. Yeah, he did. Right. He got fired. He yeah. got pink slips. He got his butt thrown right out the door. And, um, and uh, it, good thing I was here because I took his place just like that. It is good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Marcus, a lot of people, I think, either know or don't know that uh, you were a former player at Oregon State University, and so was I. And so this is going to be an all-Beavers edition of Sinner and the Saint today. That's a, that's what I like. And any Ducks fans who are listening, you might as well turn off the radio now. Ooh, I'm just ooh, kidding. I'm don't just do kidding. that. Please yeah. don't. Yeah, we have, I, to, we have yeah. to broadcast those stupid games. Yeah, we games. got this. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> so here we are. Let's do it. Let's do this thing, man. I'm ready. <laughs> hey, you watched Interstellar last night, right? I did. Okay. Now, your mind was blown by Interstellar, and I love to hear this because Christopher <laughs> Nolan movies to me are hilarious. It's like he tries to make them as complicated as possible, but you you enjoyed it to a point that you have now gained a new frame of reference. Right, and I'm thinking that maybe radio isn't for me. Maybe being an astronaut is for me because that's what— You couldn't be an astronaut. You don't think so? No. Why? You have to do math. I don't think you're good oh, at math. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. Though no. I've never questioned your ability in math. <laughs> I, would, I I just, I felt like the the conversations I've had with you, coming from another dude who's terrible at math, I was gonna I'm say telling you. Tell you told me uh, that I talk dumb or something? No, I just kind of clocked you as a dude who just wouldn't be very good at math. Well, that's a good, that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you got it right. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that, you know, I've seen this movie before, and I admittedly watched it uh, after smoking a lot of pot, and it made me, it it made me really look within myself, you know. Yeah. And actually, you bringing this whole thing up with Interstellar reminded me of what I watched last night. Now, have you watched these uh, shows, Drugs Inc.? I have before. Yeah. Okay. So they had this one last night that I watched where I just discovered this new drug that apparently is like ravaging russia and it's coming to the united states called crocodile 
Have you heard of Crocodile? <laughs> no. What, what is Dude, it? Dude, look up Crocodile. Look up on Google Crocodile Victims. Okay, so it's this thing that you inject that it's supposed to, you know, make you feel euphoric and re- really great, but it eats your skin from the inside. So after you do it for about a year or two years, it, like it, it'll eat your skin from the inside oh. out and make it so your bones and your muscles are showing. Oh, like this is a real thing. Oh. Yes, you. It's awful. Why would you do that? This is what I don't understand. Well, you do it for the giggles because it feels good, apparently. Right. Yeah, you could do it for the giggles for like a year, for like thirty minutes, and then one morning you're gonna wake up and your arm's gone. Yeah. Well, and they were showing all these images of people that, That's like, disgusting. their bones were exposed. Yeah, I'm done with this. <laughs> I don't want to get anymore. You don't horrible. even want to get into more of the crocodile? I mean, we can. Let's do it. I'm a little intrigued by it, actually. So, yeah, apparently this is, like, going all through Russia, and it was made in Russia, um, which I could only think of a, a drug that comes from Russia that would eat you from the inside out. I don't know where else that drug would have come from in the first place, but. Yeah, but. Scared just, the S out But here's me. the thing, man, like. I just don't get it. Why would you do that? Why would you do? I don't know. Because I mean, if I mean, you why would you some, do any drug? Well, right. right? <laughs> and I guess why would you do this drug if you saw that the residual effects after two years were it, your body is going to eat itself from the inside? Then again, didn't we have kids eating like Tide Pods or whatever? So, yeah, I but mean, I don't think that was a drug. I was. Th- I think that was just kids seeing colorful things that looked delicious. Which I don't blame really? those kids. Those Tide Pods do look del- delicious. Right. Yeah. If you th- you know you can throw them in with like a bunch of strawberries, a bunch of berries. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. You could fool me with a Tide Pod. Like you know how I eat yogurt <laughs> I and fruit. Not. Yeah. Every morning. Like if you threw a Tide Pod in there, you could probably fool me enough that I'd crunch into that thing. You don't know that you say that I'm going to do that Monday. What? Have a Tide Pod? Oh, put a Tide Pod in my yogurt. Yeah, I'm just well, I'll be it. expecting it, but you'll I'll be still expecting. I'll but still, you'll still probably crunch it. into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just get a taste. Just a taste. You know, now you, I might go home and try a Tide Pod. Yeah. I'm just shot, man. Do that. Anyone who's listening, please don't think I, I eat Tide Pods. Throw it into a glass of water so it'll 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 go right. down better. Yeah. Yeah. It's like emergency. Right? Right. But it doesn't make you better. Yeah, it makes you a lot worse. So, on the <laughs> show today, God, football is not going to get here soon enough. I know. Uh, I know the PGA Championship is happening right now, and we'll update you on the leaderboard uh, throughout the show. But uh, there's a couple stories that came out this week, and one in particular, the uh, mistreatment of players at the University of Maryland. There was a huge article written on ESPN about this that uh, was posted last night, and uh, there's an update about it as well. Some of the staff there was put on administrative leave We'll get into that at 9.30. Uh, Good versus evil, of course, at 9.45 in the second hour. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA schedule that was released this week and the Trailblazers and who they might face and um, how much we expect to get obliterated by LeBron James in our game opener. Which 50. You, you're going to put up 50? We're going to beat by... No, no, we're not going to be, be, be... We be beat by 50 because you guys are going to be beat... Yeah, you guys are going to get beat by 50 because I'm not a Blazer fan. Oh, you're a Laker fan? No, I'm a LeBron fan. So oh, I'm so you just go LeBron. wherever LeBron goes. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Like, I have a Cleveland jersey, I have a Miami jersey, Dude, and I just pre-ordered my Laker jersey. Such a fair weather, bro. <laughs> such well, a fair weather, bro. It's, but I'll admit it, right? That's th- a good, at least I can admit it. I think that's interesting with the NBA, right, is the fact that you follow players more than you do the actual teams. Like, the NFL, I've never known a dude to, like, 
follow a player more than he actually follows a team. Like there's there's yeah, Tom Brady happen. fans, but like you follow the Patriots, not Tom Brady. Yeah, like I hate Tom Brady, but I think he's probably the best quarterback ever. Sure, but I can watch the Patriots. Yes, I just don't like Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I, I mean. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Maybe it's just the fact that there's more FaceTime with NBA players and that you yeah. get to know them and they're more active on social media. But just I, I, I don't understand why more people just don't follow players. Like Antonio Brown, I'd probably follow that dude if he went to another team just because he's pretty entertaining. Yeah, and see, here's the thing. Like, I went to the Blazers game where Damian Lillard hit that game when he shot against the Rockets. Yeah. And I showed up, and I had my Harden jersey on. But I thought this one through. That was yeah. back in my younger days, so I will admit I was a bandwagon fan. You know those fans who, like, take off a jersey and they have a shirt under and it's yeah. the opposite team? Yeah, it was me. Oh. I had a Harden jersey on, then I had a Blazers, <laughs> Blazers shirt under it. Dude. I was like, man, the Rockets are about to win. And then Damian Lillard hit that shot, and everyone starts jumping up, and I just like, took off right the jersey. Out of that. Yeah, I just ripped it off real quick. <laughs> I was like, let's go. <laughs> so I had to go to a different section because everyone seen me do it, and then I was high-fiving everyone over there, and I was like, let's go, Blazers. Dude, are you still a James Harden fan, though? You know, I really was. I really liked him in OKC, and then I liked him in his first couple years with the Rockets, and now I don't like him. Like, how could you How could you defend that guy after winning the MVP and then having that playoff performance? That's what I'm saying. Like, Can't do it. You can't. It was no. horrible. I was... He does have a nice hero step, though. That is pretty sweet. <laughs> Plus, he's the only guy that I think uses it effectively. But Russell Westbrook. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, also, coming up in the second hour, we'll talk about the UNC shoe scandal. And then at 1030, there was something that Trey Boston, a safety for the Chargers, said where uh, he has this conspiracy theory that the NFL is conspiring against safeties to not pay them, uh, which I... I I can kind of understand where he's coming from only because the NFL itself is changing to a point where offenses have made defense pretty much obsolete. Yeah. Like there's no point anymore. Like we're going to throw on you and we're going to create mismatches and we're going to score. You just have to hold it off for however long. Yeah. It's just, it's, that's just how it goes now. And, and with running backs too, it seems at least to me being a former running back, it looks like, like there is almost no run game. Oh no! Like running backs get like, you know, you have a you have a good game if you have fifty, sixty yards rushing. Well, either that That's or you have to be somebody like Todd Gurley, where it's yeah. like you have to catch the ball, you yeah. have to get out you of the backfield, yeah, line up because those a slot. defensive linemen are unreal. Yeah, dude, they're just beasts, and so there's no point. <laughs> I couldn't do it. No, dude. Oh, who was like, who's the scariest uh, defensive lineman you went up against when you were playing mm -hmm. over at Oregon State? Solomon Thomas for sure. Was he? Yeah, like I went to cut him, and I remember he grabbed my whole helmet with his with his hand, like my head was a basketball, like he was palming <laughs> the ball. And so, like in midair, when I went to cut him, I remember he just grabbed it, and he just he just slammed it into the ground. I had like a visor on, and I got up, like I got him down, so yeah. I was super hyped. And then I stood up, and I was like, "Is that a crack?" And there's a crack in my visor all the way across, and then the right. So I want to say the right side of my face mask was broken. Oh, so I had to go out of the game. That was like my second play in. Was that like, was that the indicator to you that you were like, oh man, yeah, I don't know if I can play in the pros. See, and I was like, I could definitely play in the pros. I got him down. But yeah. then you go back and watch the film, and I was like, man, yeah, I like, <laughs> I like, don't, don't know if I'm wrong. that good. I have, I have supreme <laughs> confidence, <laughs> but that just shot it down a lot. Like I went from being thinking I was, I was pretty dang good, yeah, to being like, you're all right. Like yeah, you should. You should probably, you know, 
Dude, that was my Brian Cushing, uh, Cushing moment when we played SC, when they were number one and came to Oregon State. And I watched that game yesterday again. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I was on Pac-10 Network. Yeah, that's good. what I'm saying. Um, my moment was when I was on punt return and he was on punt, and I was blocking him. And you know how on punt return you kind of just keep your arm out and yeah. try to keep it? I would just, like, put my arm out on Cushing, and he would just slap it away like I was a fly. <laughs> and, man, dude, I was trying to grip right under his shoulder pad to, like, do the legal holding thing. Yeah. No, that was nothing to that guy. That's like, crazy. Nothing at all. It was at that moment I go, nah, mm-mm, probably not. <laughs> probably not going to make it to the pros. Yeah, there was, there was a couple times that that happens. Or when you watch Le- Bryce Love or when we played UW and, like, all their whole defense is basically about to be NFL players. Yeah. And every single one of them just, like, you get the ball and you just get hit by all different angles and then you stand up and you're just like, man. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm a six one two Ted running back, yeah. being thrown around like a child. Yes, and it's hard to say that, but you know I'm retired, so I can say it now. Yeah. But at the time, I would never say that back, man. When people ask me about him, yeah, I, you kidding me? I knocked that dude over. And see, that's interesting too. You use the word retired because yeah. I I use that for a while as well after playing, and it is kind of interesting because you do retire because your entire life was surrounded around playing football. Like exactly. I think about retirement and I associate it with you know, people who are in their fifties or sixties, but it's like, really though, you pretty much dedicated your life to football from a very early age. And then you get to your twenties. And if you didn't make it to the league, you're like, well, yeah, well, see, that's the thing. Never you again. say you're retired. Then I feel old. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm retired. People say, how old are you? 22. That's it. And I, every time I say, yeah, man, I'm old. Yeah. Every, if you haven't heard me say it now around the building, every time someone asks me how I am, I say, I'm old. I'm old. I'm an old man. I'm retired. I'm old. So plenty more of uh, Glory Days talk from Marcus and I. <laughs> man, when we were younger, man, we were so good. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> when I was a freshman, <laughs> oh, those were the glory days. Oh, boy, I had the sparkle in my eyes. It was great. And then you know, Solomon Thomas just then Solomon Thomas made me feel like a boy. Now every day I have to wake up and stretch. That's when I know I'm getting old. When I wake up and the first thing I want to do is stretch. Yeah, dude, you got to drink more water. Stay nimble. I try, man. I got, like, bionic knees now <laughs> after two ACLs, man. I need, like, some WD-40 to spray my legs every time. Woo. That's what I'm saying, man. It's rough. Well, more of that talk, more of injury talk. But coming up next, uh, the NFL preseason is underway, and one rookie quarterback came out last night and proved to everybody that he might be the best in the class. Uh, it's a Sinner and – well, no, it's a Greaves and Saints edition. Greaves and the Saint, baby. Of Sinner and the Saint, right here on 1080 The Fan. Sinner and the Saint here. No Sinner, just the Saint. Just the Saint. Saint and Greaves. Luke is uh, hiking with his family, presumably dead. Hiking, maybe fired, maybe replaced. Yeah. Or maybe kidnapped. Or kidnapped. Which I've always floated that around, that Luke might get kidnapped on vacation. But... Are you sure, though? Have you talked to Luke? Uh, no. We literally don't talk outside of this show. And we work in the same building every yeah. day during the week. You guys are like two cubicles away. Yeah. I don't blame you, man. We can't stand each other. But then we get in here for two hours every week and it's things not seem to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Like peanut butter and jelly, right? Ooh. Do you just eat jelly? No. No. Do you just eat peanut butter? No. <laughs> but together? Yes. Thanks, Dad. That was a horrible one, guys. Please stop. Yeah, not we should bad. cut that out if we can. Uh at Sinner Saint 1080 on Twitter. We have a poll up right now. 
This is uh, related back to uh, one Mr. Sam, I smell something bad, Darnold, uh, and his performance yesterday. Last night with the Jets, uh, his first preseason debut in the NFL. Uh, the question is, Sam Darnold is blank. Uh, 4% of you said, yo, that dude isn't ultra. Uh, 22% of you said uh, Sam Darnold is effing awesome, bro. Uh, 28% said uh, Sam Darnold is a man harboring a mole on his face. And uh, 45% of you said, yeah, he's all right. He's all right. He's all right. He's not bad. I don't know. What did you think of it? I didn't think he was that bad. I mean, he looked good. Like we were saying earlier, it is preseason, though. So the defenses are going to be basic. They're not going to throw a lot at you, not a lot of blitz. Um, but for the most part, he didn't look bad. Yeah. I mean, Baker looked good, too. Baker looked good. I, I mean, with Darnold, I guess when I watched him play, you could see some of the best parts of him playing at USC, right? Yeah. Like, you saw some of the flashes of uh, the Rose Bowl game, the mm -hmm. ability to be elusive in the pocket, the ability to kind of run out, create some time for himself and be accurate. But, you know, one of the things with Sam Darnold you're going to have to watch for in preseason and also as the season goes on is where's that point where he's going to get too comfortable? Because yeah. I feel like at USC he got there, right? He yeah. got to this too comfortable point where he felt like he could move around, sling the ball around a bunch and just read any defense he wanted. And, he would completely forget checks and just start throwing picks. Yeah, he threw, he turned the ball over so much it was insane. Oh, yeah, dude. And especially last season. That's why if he is to be successful in this league, he just he's going to have to take care of the ball. Because when you see, you know, when you see people like Lamar Jackson run around with the ball in their hand, like yeah. with one hand, but that's the fact that Lamar Jackson can juke. He obviously can be a threat with his legs. I think Sam Darnold can too, but... At some point, man, you just have to, you just have to be like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and be like, all right, there's no more running for me. And obviously yeah. that's down the road, but I think both of those guys took care of the ball, you know, phenomenally. Yeah. Phenomenally? 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 Well Anyways. played. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I thought also is interesting about this quarterback class is that you're kind of seeing now this push towards the Russell Wilson type of play. And, you know, I'm not going to directly – relate Sam Darnold to Russell Wilson because they're two very different players, but there's one key trait that a lot of these guys are sharing uh, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold is that they move around in the pocket and they're elusive and they know how to create time for themselves in an offense. And uh, I think, you know, Lamar Jackson, you maybe saw a little bit of that in the hall of fame game. It seems like to me, when you saw Lamar Jackson playing in that game, it was like, okay, they're really trying to keep him contained here. They're really trying to figure out how to just let him run the offense. But, dude, I mean, Baker, uh, you and I were talking about that uh, backline throw yeah. that he made for the touchdown. That was and threading the needle. Yeah, dude, that was freaking threading the needle. He had that on point. Yeah, that was that was a crazy good throw. Yeah, and it's like, that's the kind of stuff you saw him do at Oklahoma, and everybody was so critical, like, oh, when he gets to the league, he's not going to be able to do that, but he's still doing it now. Yeah. I just don't understand why, like, people don't want a quarterback who can move, like, who don't want a threat with his legs as well. And, yeah. Like, can get, obviously, bias himself time in the pocket. I feel like Johnny Manziel really ruined it for a lot of people. What? <laughs> you think so? Like, I just feel like he ruined it for a lot of people, because once you watch him play right, he was... He was running around the pocket like crazy in college, and I yeah. was super hot. I still have a Johnny Manziel jersey. I do. Dude, I was super wait, hyped. a Johnny Manziel Browns jersey? Absolutely. I told you I like the Browns, man. I, I was hyped. I know, but you got to not wear that thing. I and don't. Preserve it. 
Because you can sell that on eBay at some point. That's going to become pretty valuable. Yeah, right. When he makes his way back into the league <laughs> and wins MVP, that's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Of course. <laughs> no, I, I actually has a lot of dust on it. I haven't touched that thing in a long time. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting theory, though. The whole idea that, like, Manziel. I don't want to say he ruined it. But for the most part, when you look at it now, like, who do they compare everybody to? It's like, oh, he's like Johnny Man. That's what they say with Baker Mayfield, too. You mean right? uh, draft prospects? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, he's like Baker, and he's like uh, Johnny Manziel. Like, he likes to run around the pocket a lot, do all this, do all that. But, yeah. I mean, Johnny Manziel was a baller, man. He like, was. And I think there's probably a couple things that were, uh, you know, outstanding with Manziel that uh, <laughs> made him not such a good player in the yeah. league. Possibly the cocaine and the drinking. Right. And, you know, being a starting quarterback and going to Vegas like a week before you have a game, that's okay. That and being drafted by the Browns, which I don't know how you like even that out percentage wise of like how much do we blame the Browns for Johnny Manziel and then how much do we blame the blow and the booze? Like, is it a 60 40 thing? 55305 better you today text line? I'd say say 60 40. 60-40, 60-40, it was the Browns and the 40%. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Being a Browns fan, man, like, you just, at some point, you know, like, I think I've bought three jerseys. I was about to buy a Tyrod Taylor jersey. Oh, how dare you? But I'm just going to wait it out for a little bit, you know. There's no point in me blowing my money, and then, he, you know, either he gets something bad happens, which I hope it doesn't because I think he's a baller, or yeah. he's just not good. Maybe I'm just too hyped. Yeah. I don't know, man. We haven't had a quarterback in in forever so i'm just excited well and neither of the jets and i think that with the jets they're going to approach this situation right where you now have to make a decision because you brought in teddy bridgewater from a one-year deal and even though a lot of people kind of have crapped on the deal as a okay he's a safeguard i think to teddy bridgewater he considers it a prove-it contract which yeah. is hey man you're going to give me one year i'm going to compete for this starting job and you know if i beat out sam darnold and i get five games at least uh, you know, as the season starts, that's enough for me to prove that, hey, I can go start on any team. And, I mean, Bridgewater in the season, uh, the preseason opener, he looked okay. Yeah, he didn't – he looked all right. He looked like a dude – I mean, he had that one touchdown pass, but, I mean, he sat in the pocket, and you kind of saw him, and he looked like a guy who bionically had his leg put back onto his body. Like, he very much looked very reticent. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to throw that. Yeah, and – well, when he played for the Vikings, he he was uh, he was crazy good. He led them to what was it? One really good season, I want to say. Yeah, uh, one fair season. I would say really good. Come on, man. Aww. The Vikings. Well, and then they got ruined by a uh, kick. Remember, from the Seahawks. Oh, the Seahawks. Um, horrible. Yeah, I, to me, I think it's just going to be interesting to look at the Jets and see how they're going to be able to respond to having this guy that they moved up a bunch of picks to, you know, get Sam mm-hmm. Darnold, and then now bringing somebody like Teddy Bridgewater on who. Still, you know, has some good talent in him. But I don't know. That quarterback battle will be interesting to me. The Baker Mayfield one will be even more interesting because really it's not a question of if Baker's going to play. It's really when, right? Like, I know Tyrod Taylor's good, but he's just good enough to, like, sustain a team and win maybe a couple of games. (laughs) I don't know. I I think he's really good, man. I just feel like the Bills took everything away from him. Like, they, they took away his offense. So, it's like, I remember the, I don't even remember what game it was. Like, when they benched him, and they brought in that backup, and what did he do? Throw, Nathan Peterman? He threw, he threw five picks. Dude, Peterman's been all right in preseason. <laughs> which, 
Stop which it. should give you your Stop your it. indicator of how important exactly. preseason football is. Yeah. Uh, another quarterback that came out of this draft to remind me of the Bills is uh, Josh Allen from Wyoming. Uh, Allen looked okay no, for the most part. I'm not sold. I'm not sold yet either. He's definitely, uh, and, and this was indicated too in the draft, he's a project. He's a yeah. guy who's 6'5 uh, and up, and he comes from an offense where he was kind of given the run and shoot free reign, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has choice routes and throw wherever the hell you want. Yeah. Um, I, I think for Josh Allen, you kind of have to just wait and see. But also, he's a guy who I think had the unfortunate situation of being drafted by a team that hasn't had a really great quarterback since Jim Kelly. Yeah, so that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. You just draft him and say, all right, bring us to the promised land, which is that going to happen? No. I don't think so. Dude, do you remember um, EJ Emanuel? Yes. Yes. And then that dude gets drafted by the Bills, and he had that sweet season with Florida State, and yeah. then – you just never heard of EJ Manuel again? I used to play with him in Madden all the time. Oh, like, oh, not against him or with him, just with him, the player. You would play as EJ Manuel. <laughs> you yes. set it you set it up. Did I? To say that you and EJ were bros and played Madden <laughs> together. Speaking of that, did you see what uh Odell said about him and Saquon? What? That they slept they've already slept in the bed together like three times, four times. That's hot. Is that like I feel like that's just Something wait, wait, they slept in a bed together? Yeah, that's what Odell said. Where did you see this? It was <laughs> it was on Bleacher Report, I'm pretty sure. All right, it was I like two days ahead. ago. They were asking how close they were, Saquon and Odell, and he said, we're like bros or something like that, and we've already slept in a bed together like three times. Um, Yeah. Which that's... is all right. Do your thing, man. If your teammates, your teammates. I get it. I just feel like being millionaires, you guys could sleep in a different bed. I don't know. Right, or, you know, just talk to us in more extent about your relationship. Yeah. Because now I'm curious. And I want Saquon Barkley to get the hell away from that guy. Why? He's poison. No, he's not. Yes, he is, dude. He's nah, so man. poison. He had a video that came out this offseason of him eating pizza and doing doing coke in a yeah, uh, hotel bedroom. That. Yeah. <laughs> like, that to me is like, get my franchise running back away from that guy. That scares the ass out of me. Sometimes I just, I mean, I don't get it sometimes, but... I think he's a great player. Yeah, yeah, he might be a little iffy off the field. But, hey, if you're putting up touchdowns at this point, shoot, after everything that's already <laughs> happened in the sports world, is that really going to bug you? Well, and that kind of transitions to our next segment coming up here. Uh, we're going to talk about the issue going on at the University of Maryland football team. And uh, it also kind of raises the question, how far do you have to go to win football games. And apparently an investigation is underway to prove that, yes, the Maryland football coaching staff did go way too far. You got a Greaves and Saint edition of Center and the Saint right here on The Fan. But first, here's the news. 55305 is the Better You Today text line. There's already some uh, some pretty good some pretty good crocodile talk on here. Really? I'm yeah. interested to hear. Uh, one texter writes in, Crocodile sounds like some hipster all-pickle restaurant in Portland. I already hate it. <laughs> Which it kind of does. The it crocodile. does. No, it does. I, I, but go look online at pictures of crocodile victims. Yeah, it's horrible. It's Don't, really, really bad. I mean, you can do it, but it'll probably ruin your day. Yes. Like I started off my Saturday. I was in a good mood this morning, and then I seen that. And it was, uh, it kind of ruined it. And I was really hungry, but. Not anymore. Uh, Manziel also beat up his girlfriend. It's funny, but that crime, which is always morally wrong, seems to be only uh, seems to only stick long term 
Yeah, just saying, Marcus, you have a legit quarterback. Yeah, somebody's telling you, somebody's telling you that you uh, had a legit quarterback for the Browns since your fellow alumni and lifetime backup Cam Newton in Carolina. That's what I'm Derek saying. Anderson. Mm-hmm. I seen him the other day. Oh, you I, saw DA the other day? Yeah, he was at practice. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I did. I saw that on Twitter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, whoever uh, whoever texted that in, yeah, you're right for sure. I'll put that on me, but <laughs> you are 100% right. You guys kind of did ruin Derek Anderson. I don't know how. He was really good, and he still is pretty good. He is. See, this is the problem. How do we do? How do we ruin every? How do we ruin so much? I, you touch it. You guys. You guys touch quarterbacks. I just don't get it. I don't get it either. But for some reason, everybody since Bernie Kosar, who was okay, and to be quite honest, go back and look at film of Tim Couch when he played for the Browns. He was good. Yeah. It's just the offensive line was terrible, and you can't expect a rookie quarterback to come in with a 0 nothing offensive line and be amazing right off the bat. Yeah. Tim Couch was all right. I he just, just didn't have any help. I just feel like every single time we get a quarterback, like through the years, I'm, I'm starting to just – I'm almost upset sometimes when we get quarterbacks. <laughs> Uh, going to the Browns side of it, Josh Allen is not a project. He's inherently bad. His pure accuracy numbers suck, and the target windows of passing in the NFL are even smaller, which I would tend to agree with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We should have drafted someone else. I'm, I, I like the Bills, too. You know, I just like every bad team, I guess. Okay, would you, rather have had, um, would you rather have had Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson, knowing what you know now, that he's going to get hurt? Mm, Deshaun Watson. Really? Yeah. Even knowing that after the first four games, he is going to have his season end and you won't know what will happen afterwards. Yeah, just because you have a future, I would say. I don't know that yet. Well, I guess you're right. Huh? You can come back and just be terrible. But I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, let's get to a story uh, that's come out of Maryland, the University of Maryland football team. So ESPN wrote this very big uh, investigative article that's now kind of starting to blow up today about the University of Maryland football team and the culture surrounding it. Um, Several current University of Maryland football players and people close to the Terrapins program describe a toxic coaching culture under head coach DJ Durkin before offensive lineman Jordan McNair's death in June after a football workout. Uh, Maybe some people forgot about this, but yeah, a, a player on the... University of Maryland Terrapins team. He he died during wind sprints. Uh, pretty much. He uh, people said that he was having seizures on the field. There were reports of that, and an EMT picked him up, and he died later at a hospital. So, uh, died two weeks after being hospitalized. Um, and ESPN basically reported yesterday that he died of heat stroke and that his internal temperature was 106 degrees. Uh, which is absolutely insane, considering that you're having linemen run wind sprints during June. It's unreal. Yeah, which that shouldn't be the case. These guys are 300 or close to 300 pounds. Yeah, they're colossal. Yes, please. Having these guys run like that. Take care of them. Yes. Uh, so it, the report goes more into how uh, the culture there at the University of Maryland uh, was basically kind of harbored by um, this guy, this con- strength and conditioning coach named Rick Court. And so Rick Court basically had these uh, type of attitudes towards players, and uh, he would do things like uh, scream horrible obscenities at them. Uh, they slapped meals out of players' hands when they'd come in late uh, to film sessions. Um, belittling, humiliation, and embarrassment of players was common uh, are some of the other reports. And then 
Uh, one most of all that kind of disturbed me was that the strength and conditioning coaches would sit down with players who needed to gain weight at training table and make them eat until they threw up. Um, so now it's coming out today that, uh, you know, the strength and conditioning coaches, Maryland has placed two of the trainers on administrative leave while they uh, investigate Jordan McNair's death. Uh, I've played in this era of having some guys that are no-nonsense tough guys of football. I know you have. What was your experience at Oregon State? Did you ever have anything like this? Uh, not like, not to the extreme, obviously. You know, every coach is going to yell at you. Every coach is going to, not I'm not say degrade you, but, you know, sometimes I have to get on you for whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, obviously you need to gain weight, lose weight. But I will say, I know for a fact when you need to gain weight, they wouldn't sit right by you, but you would definitely have to eat till you basically feel like you're going to throw up. Like yeah. that point where you feel like if you take another bite of something, you're going to yak all over the place. Yeah, I felt like that for like two weeks straight, and it was horrible. So what year were you born? 1995. Okay, 95. So I was born in 88, and we're part of kind of the same generation, right? The millennial thing. Yeah. I, I, I feel like now, within the last year, maybe five years, let's give it a five-year window, that there's been kind of this rise of college players and of people from our generation who have started to butt heads with the older generation of athletics. And I think it goes, you know, it goes with even the start of the Joe Paterno thing being found out, mm -hmm. that you started to have this group of people who said, we're not going to take this old way of doing things anymore where it's hush hush and we don't tell anything about uh, tell anybody about all the messed up stuff that happens within this program we're people we have feelings and we're not going to be bullied and i, I kind of feel like this is just another example of it where you had a bunch of players who after another player's death went to espn and considered themselves to be unnamed sources and just said this is what's going on here and we don't like it yeah well there's no like there's no reason and when I was reading the article it sounded like a lot of the time or not a lot of the time it sounded like what it was was as soon as they got back to practice you know the coaches acted like nothing happened and it was just yeah you know the player died and whatever happens happens let's keep playing football which obviously is unreal to me and I would I would be pissed off too you know I wouldn't want especially if I was close I mean regardless if I was close to him or not you know that's one of my teammates and he just passed away why are we not why are we not looking into this, obviously, or something? Yeah. You guys can't just move on like it's nothing. So uh, another part to it was that they said, uh, or the article detailed, that uh, after they took a break, because I think they had the players take a break after their, um, uh, McNair's death, uh, obviously they had to do an internal investigation about it, and so they had to interview some of the players. So ESPN's reporting that when they had players sign up to do these interviews with investigators, they put the sign-up sheet right next to the head coach's office. Mm. So it basically intimidated players into saying, hey, if you're going to sign up an interview uh, with these investigators, you're basically, you're a traitor. You're, yeah. you're betraying your team. And I, I think that's just another part of this story that tells you that this was a really toxic, awful culture. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I get it. Football is a violent sport, and you have to have a mentality about yourself that you are going to lay everything on the line and that you're going to let your passion override everything, and you're just going to go for it when you get out there. I get it. I know. I've, I've had those feelings myself. But at a certain point, when you basically take away a player's identity 
like demeaning them to the point where they feel like they're not human anymore. Or as the article was saying, uh, you know, demeaning players to the point where they just became numb to it, where you would scream these obscenities at them and they were just like, yeah, that's, that's every day yeah. for us. I, I, I think it's not tough guy anymore. It's, it's, it's abuse. Yeah. And that's what we were saying earlier before the show is that there's, a, there's definitely a line between, like you said, being a, being like a tough guy and having a, a culture that you guys are all tough guys. And then, you know, obviously abuse, like yeah. verbal abuse and whatever that may be. That's just unreal to me. I don't get it. I give those players props 100% because I know for a fact I would throw hands. Oh, <laughs> with, yeah. With a coach if he did that to me. But, and that's the thing, too. You can't, obviously, if you're on scholarship, you know, you don't want to get kicked out. You want to get through school. A lot of those guys are trying to take care of their family any way they can. Some of them are the first ones to ever go to college, whatever the case is. But, yeah, man, it it was kind, it kind of felt like or it looked like they were trapped because you don't want to get kicked off. You don't want to look like a traitor, but you have to take care of your family. And that's just the sacrifices some of them made, which is unbelievable. I give them all the props in the world for it. Yeah, and they had uh, another part of it as well. There's a lot uh, to unpack here. Go to ESPN.com if you want to read the article. Uh, but another part of it was that one of the players was – uh, brought into a separate room to talk with head coach DJ Durkin uh, after he had smiled during a film session, I guess. Uh, and so he brought him into a room and just started berating him and got into his face and, you know, telling him, you're not worth it. I should just kick you off the team. Uh, and he said, you know, after that, I just decided I was done because, you know, I, I understand I'm 18 or 19 years old, but most people consider that an adult, a young adult, be it. Like, you can't talk to me like that to my face. Oh. Like, yeah. I get it. You're my coach. I respect you, but don't berate me. Like well, that's the thing. There's just no chance. <laughs> I just that's why I keep saying I give him so many props, man. Because yeah. I like I know for a fact I got yelled at all the time. I know. Oh yeah. And you know, you know how it is. Like they're in your face, they're yelling at you. But you know, at least you know deep down whether you think it at the at the point that it's happening or not, you know that they care about you. Yeah. But at some point you're like, these guys don't care about me. They're just using me as another body. And so that coach got in my face, whatever his name was, was it DJ? DJ Durkin, head coach, yep. Yeah, I'm headbutting him like a bighorn sheep. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. That'd be sweet. I'd actually like to see that. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got a really round head, man. I feel like it's perfect for a headbutt. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you got a sweet dome. Appreciate it, my man. I uh, need to that. All right, let's, uh, let's revisit this back on the other side in the second hour. Uh, but coming up next, we got good versus evil. And then uh, also we'll talk a little bit more Blazers, or we'll talk some Blazers and uh, the NBA schedule that came out um, and how we feel about playing Lakers our first game, which why? 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 Yes, why would we do that? King James. Center <laughs> of the Saint, Greaves and Saints edition on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the what has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the Titan of Hawaiian Restaurants. 808 on 1080 The Fan. Team owners and drivers that spoke publicly about this, they seem comfortable with the decision to move Jim into that role. As for Brian France, a lot of personal well wishes as he makes his way through the personal struggles associated with Sunday night's DWI rest in the Hamptons. That was a good-looking 20-year-old wearing a $20 dry fit polo, Rob Hughes, with some NBC affiliate. 
He's talking about the sweetest irony that hit sports this week. NASCAR CEO Brian France was arrested on charges of aggravated driving with intoxicated and criminal possession of a controlled substance, a.k.a. he was driving drunk and on pills. Uh, during a search of the car, police say they also found oxys on Mr. France's person. This comes at a time where NASCAR is experiencing a depleted audience and dipping TV ratings. Marcus, I'm not going to pretend that you watch NASCAR. Will this story encourage you to watch even one minute of NASCAR this year? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no chance. Not even to see what happens, that maybe they'll fire the guy? Or... No. NASCAR <laughs> is not my thing, man. <laughs> you don't enjoy watching cars go around in a circle for four hours? I really appreciate hours. the fact that you at least said, I know you don't watch NASCAR. I, do, I, I know you didn't because I've never heard you talk about NASCAR. I don't even know how it goes. I thought, see, here's the thing. I think I could do NASCAR, and I'm probably, I obviously probably can. I think you could. You think so? You're a pretty good driver. Yeah, we should go to the next question. All right. I felt great. You know, it was fun to be out there, but, um, again, just, just trust what the doctors are saying and, Without a doubt, it's, it's tough to just sit there and watch. I mean, did it all last offseason now, kind of getting your feet wet, but kind of going in and out. It's not what I'd like, but it's, you know, I'm making the most of it as we, as we go here. That was overgrown toddler and North Dakotian Carson Wentz earlier this week, Philadelphia Eagles head coach, and uh, Jet Ski Rewards card member Doug Peterson hinted at the idea that Wentz would not suit up or play any preseason games. It is fair to point out that Wentz has not been cleared for contact by Eagles doctors, but he has practiced in seven-on-seven drills and has looked better each day. Wentz hasn't taken a meaningful hasn't taken a meaningful snap since last February. Do you think keeping him out of preseason games is a wise decision by the Eagles? Absolutely. After two ACLs, at least for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm you seeing have this to... from the bionic knee standpoint. You have to worry though the fact that he hasn't played since last February and he's supposed to be your franchise that you're just going to throw him to the wolves without a preseason start. Yeah, maybe like get him in for a series. <laughs> That's it. You just don't want him to be hurt because actually at this point he can be hurt because you have, you have Nick Foles. Yeah. You're fine. You would think. Yeah, you think. you think maybe a Super Bowl miracle would help, but who knows? Nah, man, that wasn't a miracle. Please. If I mean, it was, uh, it was one of the worst carded sessions we've had. I don't know how you can make it any simpler. We literally have what the play would be in our terminology on the card, and the effort level is very low, uh, especially what I'm accustomed to having run that period for a number of years. So it's uh, not a good start for us on the, on the carded period. That was apathetic cool guy and Danica Patrick's boyfriend, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he is super-duper pissed at dudes that make way less money than him, is pretty much what he just said. During practice this past week, Rodgers was running the scout team offense to get the first-string defense ready for their preseason opener, but apparently he did not like their effort and let everybody know that in the locker room, calling the practice, quote, piss-poor. Uh, does it seem like Aaron Rodgers is really tired of being on the Green Bay Packers? Absolutely. <laughs> get him <laughs> off, man. Like, just dude, go. Well, I mean, I know he wants to get a bigger contract, and he's a dude that obviously deserves it. He's, yeah, without a doubt, the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now. But, I, I mean, this is obviously a sign by him saying, like, hey, you guys either need to pay me more or give me more help. Yeah. He's, Doing it in kind of a roundabout way. Is it just me, or does he just seem grumpy? Like, Oh, all the time. It's Green Bay, man. It's doing it to him. He's, He's just a grump now. Well, yeah, it's the fact that he has to sit there and, like, his friend Jordy Nelson gets shipped off to Oakland. And, yeah. Like, who does he have to throw to? Why don't they go get Des Bryant? I, I don't know. <laughs> I hope. So, give him somebody. That poor guy.
All right, now time for my favorite story, and this one comes from Toronto. Police rescued two men who were standing on top of a handrail in order to stay above six feet of water as rising waters flooded a basement below them. These dudes, a police spokesperson said, there was only one foot of airspace left for the two of them to breathe during a flood in Toronto. So these dudes got trapped and only had just one foot left of airspace to breathe before they were going to drown. Is that insane? That that's does that awful. blow your mind, Marcus? How do you? I would never put myself in a situation like that. Never. I know you don't put yourself in those situations, but first of all, bless those men. <laughs> There's no way, man. I I would be so scarred. Oh yeah. Oh, It'd be I, horrible. Yeah, I I couldn't get in a pool anymore, and you wouldn't let me get in an elevator anymore. I'd be freaked out. Like, that's why I try to put myself in the best position all the time to not be in those situations. Exactly. See, Will, you you are one of the few smart ones, man. I'll take the stairs. I'll take the stairs. Yeah, I'll take the stairs every, every time. Every time. Yeah. I don't want to get trapped in an elevator or, uh, you know. See, for example, you don't want to be attacked by a shark? Don't go in the ocean. I don't like sharks. I don't go in the ocean. Right? Have you ever been attacked by a shark? No, but I've watched Jaws enough, man. I go ankles deep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, anything more than ankles deep, I start to get nervous. All right. Good versus Evil is presented by 808, the Titan of Hawaiian restaurants. Two locations on 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodstock. Coming up in the second hour, we got Blazers in preseason. Well, not preseason. Their schedule talk and their uh, imminent loss to the Lakers. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Their first game against the Lakers. And then uh, we'll also talk uh, the UNC shoe scandal, and uh, maybe they should change some of the rules there so players can make money. And then uh, Trey Boston, a safety for the Chargers, uh, basically saying the NFL is colluding against his position. Uh, second hour coming up, Sinner and Saint, a Greaves and Saint edition, right here on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan.